0: Kwame Alexander, and this is a podcast based on a memoir that I wrote. Not like a traditional memoir where I gather together all the things that have made a life out of me. Not me opening a door to my childhood so that I can understand my fate as a man, as a father, as a son. It's just a collection of snapshots of a man learning to love again, and wanting to share everything he's learned about love, which it turns out ain't a whole lot, with his daughters. This podcast is a poet grappling with loss and longing with questions he's been too afraid to answer. So I've asked some fathers to help me to share their stories. And today's guest is a leader of leaders with over 25 years of HR expertise in global enterprises. As a coach, he has served as a career advisor for presidential appointees and leaders of the Obama administration. His day job is his vice president, HR business partner for Cardinal health and his life job. That's his husband to Gwen and father to miles. Oh, and he's also a friend who about 15 years ago, pretty much saved my life. Welcome my man, John Haynes to why fathers cry the podcast. Let's get it. What's up, Haynes? What's up, good man? How are you? you? I'm good. It's good to see you. It's better to see you, brother. Thank you. Folks don't know how, you know, I need to let folks know how we met. You know this story, but I don't know if you know the weight that you have carried in my life. About 15 years ago, y'all, I had been laid off from job number 13 or 21. I don't even remember. But my goal had been to be a writer full-time and make a living from it, but I couldn't figure it out. So my wife was like, you got to work, right? For sure. <laughs> so sure. I had been laid off from a job and I was applying the jobs and I applied to this job that was making more money than I'd ever made on a job. I hate to even say, I mean, do I want to say how much it was? No, I'm not going to tell all my business, but I am going to say I applied for this job as a publications coordinator And I went into the interview. The only suit I had from a place called Hex. John, you know where Hex is? Do I ever. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Hex Hex is like the old Macy's, y'all. Like Hex is, yeah, it's storied Washington, D.C. area-based department store. My only suit I had that I could afford, it was a, I feel like it was a navy blue suit. And I had some, you know, I wear a size 15 shoe, John, so I had some shoes from maybe Nordstrom Rack or something that I had gotten for 49 bucks. (laughs) I thought I was looking fly. I came into the interview, right? Yes, sir. And sitting across me, sitting across from me was this fella who was, you could have called him Dapper John. John Haynes was the HR director at this company and he had on a bow tie with a suit and some, some shoes that were just shiny, beautiful. And his grooming was flawless. And I sat there like, I ain't no way I'm getting this job because I look a little bit (laughs) suspicious. (laughs) And John, I sat there and I remember you interviewing me and seeming really interested in not just my qualifications, but who I was as a person, as a man. And I remember um, showing you, I think, a copy of my book that I had written. 100%. And it was a book called Do the Right Thing, Seven Steps to Publishing Success. And I didn't usually show my books to employers because, you know, folks might get jealous or they're like, why you need a job? You wrote a book. But I remember going home and telling Steph, man, that'd be a great place to work. But more importantly, I just met the coolest guy ever. And I remember you offering me that job. I remember getting that phone call and you changing my life. You remember that? Uh,
1: 100%. And I don't tell it unless you tell it. So I'm glad that you told it. And really what I'm looking for is the spirit when someone walks in the door. Your, your need wasn't the job. Your need was the bridge. And it was my job to provide the bridge for you. And my job to hire the best talent uh, for that moment, for that season, for that company. And all the seasons just merged together. So I'm glad that we connected, man.
0: Man, it wasn't just a connection. But you you gave me the job. You I had an office that I, had, I don't know if you remember. I had an office downstairs that had a door to the street. Like I had my own entrance and exit. Yes sir. <laughs> you deserved it. You deserved it. Hey, and you put me in community with other like-minded individuals who were about the business of trying to change the world. Like this was a this was a business that was about literally going into developing countries and making them more sustainable economically, socially, educationally, health wise. I mean, it was a, it was a good place to be. But here's the biggest thing I remember, Haynes. And that is because I know we want to get into what we're talking about today, which is going to be a difficult topic for both of us. The thing is, Haynes. My second daughter was born during my tenure at this company and the health insurance that you all had was banging. You don't understand. Yes, I do. You were there (laughs) in one of the most joyous, beautiful moments of my life where I began to understand what it meant to have unconditional love. And that was the birth of my kid. You made, you made that journey a beautiful thing. And I, I also know that, You know, in addition to that shared moment, we also share another monumental moment in our lives. Yeah. Sort of a polar opposite of emotion. When we talk about what it means to be a father, which you and I are, we also know that that starts with us as sons. Yeah. Because we learned how to father first by being sons. Ocean Vong, the writer, says that grief is perhaps the last and final translation of love. This is a piece for us to discuss, Haynes. Portrait of a Mother and Son. Remember in the hospital room when your lungs stopped behaving and the doctor asked if I wanted to shut off the machine, the one loaning you breath? And I asked if you wanted to go home to die in your bed. And you squeezed my hand once for yes. There was this moment where I saw in your face a smile the size of a planet. A woman lifting her lavender dress, walking into the water, unburdened, arriving at herself, smelling of honeysuckle, naked with happiness. And even though I'd been the one to ask the question, I was not prepared for your answer. For the drowning sadness that has owned me ever since. There are answers I still need. How you made a fire. Pancakes. Got four kids bathed and ready. Each morning. Founded a school. Spent real time with your parents twice a week. Cooked an entree and two sides for six people every evening. Stayed when he strayed. Still believed in love wholly and solely. And danced joyfully around the house like the sea was a part of your body. I've always wondered if you ever cried at night, long after we were dreaming a world. Now you are gone, and I've carried your ashes from one country to another, like luggage that I cannot unpack, like little north stars I cannot touch. I have come to a crossroads, no longer wanting to suffocate, waiting to exhale, trying to find my own answers, the right words, to say goodbye, to thank you for leaving me with some soul to keep, to finally let go of your hand, to go home, to live, to love anew. We both lost our moms, John. 100%. And for me, it was six years ago. And I just wanted to talk about what that's like with someone who's gone through it. Who can perhaps help me understand how to get through it because I'm still grappling with it. Yeah. When did your mom pass? June 10th, 2018. Isn't that something how we remember the date? Like, I mean, it's it's a thing. I remember the time. You remember the time, John? Somewhere around midnight, and I didn't get to her house till about 2
1: or 3 in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So, early morning. Tell me about it. So, by this time, I was expecting her to go. And this was a time where she no longer knew who I was. She was more there than here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the responsibility for me was I knew her even though she didn't know me any longer. And I listened to the nurses view of death cause they had seen it thousands of times. And what they were saying is that she was reconciling with God. Um, And that she was getting her affairs in order. And I believe that she saw people come from her past to escort her. I had asked God from the beginning of her diagnosis, four and a half years before that, what do you want people to see? What do you want me to do? And he said to be there for her. The world changed. My job changed to be there for her every night. Hmm. To move, to to travel from Arlington, Virginia, after work to Gaithersburg, Maryland, five, six times a week, to, to help her. just If it was just for five minutes to check on her. Right. In the process of dying. And we thought that she was going to live. We thought she was going to overcome pancreatic cancer. But she was the best warrior I've ever seen. And the lesson from her living and dying was about faith. She had the best care at Johns Hopkins, but it wasn't the care that made her survive. It was actually her faith. And I and I saw that in one particular instance where Kwame, she had gotten down to below 100 pounds and barely making it to the bathroom. And in this one instance, I was coming up the stairs. She didn't know I was there. And she was coming from the bathroom and she just made it to the bed, even though it was 10 feet away from the bathroom. She just made it to the bed. And when she made it to the bed, she climbed up there with every effort that she had and she just put her head down. So I thought she was purely exhausted. But then I just listened for a moment. It wasn't her exhaustion. She was praying. She was praying. And that's what let me know that this woman is the strongest thing I've ever seen. And I came from her. So the question was, when she actually passed, what do you do when your ride here is gone? Wow. My job was to drive. Okay. My job was to then drive. She took me to get my driver's license when I was 16. The day I turned 16, it was snowing in Gaithersburg, Maryland. She knew I was pressed, DC word. She knew I was pressed (laughs) to get the license. She took me anyway. That was the metaphor for me to continue to drive after she was gone. Hardest thing? the best thing. I could not be here without her taking her promotion. Wow. Wow.
0: John. I recall. You know, first of all, that's just such a powerful, you know, metaphor this, that she took you to get your driver's license. She prepared you for this drive. I remember when I was three years old, my mother had given me this, this wooden box with puzzle, with a sort of squares, shapes, different shapes. And you had to put the shapes in the box on top of it. Yes, sir. And she was showing me how to do it. And then she got up. I remember after five or six times of her showing me, she got up. And she, I was like, mommy, where are you going? And she was like, I'm going to make dinner. No, but how am I going to figure out which one? She was like, You'll, you figure out which pieces go where. I've showed you. And I feel like, John, when my mom passed away on September 1st, 2017, that I then had those puzzle pieces that I had to figure out how to put back together. Yes, sir. And, John, that's been the toughest thing. What is it? I mean, how do we do that? I feel like it's a new normal. I don't know how, to, I still don't know how to do it. Like, have you figured it out? It's not for me to figure it out. It's just for me to
1: live. Because one of the most powerful books I ever read was The Power of Now. And that helped me to stay present in my conditions. And my wife, Gwen, said one of the most beautiful and most poignant things she, to me. She said, as she was dying, my wife said to me, the sun is just going to shine differently. And when she said that, I understood what she meant. Mm-hmm. It's 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 going to be the sun, but it's not going to glow like it is because my mother is no longer here. You're going to look at it differently, but it's still going to shine. Is that what you're saying? 100%. It's still going to shine, but okay. she's not going to be in the earth. She's not going to be here. There's going to be an absence. And how I take it, Kwame, is that there's some days when it's overwhelming. My picture is a door, me walking towards a door. Mm -hmm. And the door is her death. And in days when I can deal with it, I open the door. Okay. In days where I cannot deal with it, I literally shut the door. And there's an anxiety that I feel a rising up. Like it's, it's almost as if I could split in half and not be existent anymore. And in order to avoid that,
0: I shut the door. So I've been feeling guilty about shutting the door. Mm -mm. I walk. Sometimes I'm like, I'll walk by and I got a picture of my mom in different places around the house and I'll, and, no, I can't go in that room today. I can't look at the picture today. Sometimes I shut the door, John, and I feel guilty as hell. No, you can't.
1: You can't because you have to take the expectation off of yourself to, to be strong just because she would want you to be strong hmm. or to be strong just because you're a man. Right, right. No, it's, it's both of them. Right. Brene Brown would say, that women try to pursue perfection. Men try to prevent being perceived as weak. Forget about all that. Wow. I'm, I'm weak without her. I'm different without her. Yes. Yes. Very different. But I know for a fact that she's still there. I know for a fact. Two, can I just tell these two instances, Kwame? This is, you're going to tell me how you, in terms of how you know she's still there? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes, share it. So, Miles was her first grandbaby. So, Miles is 15 now. What grade is he in? He's in 10th grade. He's in 10th grade already? Real talk. Yo, Miles used to be knee-high to a duck. Used to be. <laughs> but somehow he grew. Somehow. We kept feeding that joker. So... So what I'm saying to you is that after her death, and this is shortly after her death, in Gaithersburg, Maryland, Miles had a dream of my mother. They were sitting in the back of her house, in the back of her actual house on a tree branch, and they were talking to one another. And I said to Miles, how, how did she look? Mm, mm,
0: mm.
1: And he said that she looked, she looked fine. Right, right. And she had on a purple dress, which is the color of royalty. Right on. And um, that's how I knew first that she was going to be fine because she came to see her grandbaby.
0: Right, which is what they do, which which is what our mothers did. 100%. Their grandchildren became the most significant, meaningful, important people in their lives. They were still teaching us.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the second instance was when we moved to Wisconsin and I was unpacking, I was in the basement by myself. Everybody else was on the third level and um, I unpacked her printer from her house mm-hmm. and I was installing it. Cause my wife was like, I need to print. You need to set that up. So that was my homework. I did that. Checked it
0: off. I got cool points. <laughs> so look, so wait, wait, first of all, let me just get this straight. You kept, you took your mother's printer with you to Wisconsin From the D.C. area. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You you, you took her physical printer. Physical printer. Got it. And it's getting ready to get a little bit deeper here. Okay. Okay.
1: When I installed the printer, again, nobody knew what I was doing. I was downstairs doing my own thing. When I came back up, Miles and I were wrestling, just communicating like we do, like what's going on, wrestling. After we finished wrestling, I sat on the side of the bed. He sat on the side of the bed. He goes, (sighs) He was like, you smell like grandma.
0: Whoa.
1: No idea I was installing her printer. No, nobody knew. He said, you smell like grandma. I was like, well, you would never know. I was just installing her printer. Look at that. So I know she's there.
0: She's there. That's right. We will be right back. I've been to thousands of bookstores all over the country, but one of my all-time favorites is Brain Lair Books. This is the crown jewel of bookstores, y'all, nestled in South Bend, Indiana, owned and operated by the amazing and wonderful and indefatigable Kathy Burnett. And I'm not just saying that because she carries my new memoir, Why Fathers Cry at Night. Kathy knows books. She was a school librarian and teacher for 16 years before opening Brain Lair. And she's made it her mission to provide books that uplift, inspire, entertain, and empower. Head to BrainLairBooks.com and pick up some of my recent favorites, including School Trip by Jerry Craft and Solito by Javier Zamora. Or get your hands on Kerry Washington's just released memoir, Thicker Than Water, at BrainLairBooks.com. Use the promo code Kwami Kwame. K-W-A-M-E. To receive 10% off your first order at BrainLair Books, the official bookstore partner for the Why Fathers Cry podcast. Two things I, I, I want to unpack here. One is this you know, this notion of you know our mothers leaving us physically, and there are some material things that they leave behind naturally. And us wanting to hold on to them, trying to find some way to still grasp and that love, that connection. And I remember there was a suitcase, like a, like a, a maybe a, a 19 incher and it was in shabby condition. And I remember we were going on vacation and, and I packed the suitcase that belonged to my mom. I packed it with some stuff and Steph was like, why are you taking that? I was like, no, nah, I want to take it. She's like, just take one because we had some other nicer, larger pieces. For sure. No, nah, just take No, nah, I want to take this one. And she, I was like, it's my mom's. She was like, yeah, but Corm-. I was like, no, I want to take it. I couldn't explain it. John, you could have purchased a new printer. You the VP of Cardinal Health. 1,000%. I, I could have gone to Nordstrom and gotten another piece of luggage, but I still got the luggage today. Yeah, Is it as simple as we're just trying to hold on to these things and it it, it all matters, the big and the small? There's no need for any explanation, period. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I don't have to justify it. You don't have to justify it to anyone. It just is. It just is. It just is. And in 20 years, you might let go of it. Tomorrow, you might let go of it, but it doesn't make a difference. It just it's a piece of you right now. And that's how you're processing your process and, and it's okay. It doesn't matter. And we need people around us to understand that it's just one foot in front of the other daily, sometimes second by second. The car is my sanctuary, bro. (laughs) That's where I I sing. That's where I cry. That was the trip from Arlington, Virginia to Gaithersburg, Maryland, night by night, where I processed it, where I grieved while she was awake, while she was living, and where I accepted the fact that she's going to go. Mm. And this is the most out of control thing ever. I know where she is spiritually,
0: but Kwame, where is she? Yeah. Where is she? Right. Right. Because it you, you sometimes you start, you wake up or you'll you'll smell you'll smell lavender or you'll cook her favorite dish, and you'll for a moment you'll think, "Oh, let me call, let me call her real quick, but Ooh. you can't call her Ooh. you can't call her. I mean, but maybe you're about to tell me you can and I hope you do you can't. but you can't call her. but no, here's sir. what I do know: I do know a year and a half after she passed Haynes. I moved to London. I do know that after your mom passed, you moved to Wisconsin. Yes. Haynes, it was so easy for me to pick up and leave. I don't know what it was like for you, but I I need to is is there something here to us packing up and moving? And not coming back as it were. Have you thought about that?
1: Yeah. And I and I know for sure that I was not escaping. Okay, that's not what I was doing. Right, right. And and to add to that, my big mama passed away three months after my mom, mm. probably from heartbreak. In addition to just being old, sure, just heartbreak because her daughter was sick. And so I don't think that I could have exited Gaithersburg, Maryland, or Bowie, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Without them exiting, okay. I'm, 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 I'm sure that I could not, right. I, and they, they let go so that I could grow. They let go so that I could go.
0: Hold on, hold on. You understand me? They let go so we could grow. Yes, sir. Because when I was thinking about this idea that we both packed up and left, you are correct. I was not thinking about escaping. Mm-mm. I was thinking about it in the sense that we were free to go and get in our car, get on the highway and drive to to get on that flight and soar. We had we had they gave us some wings to now embrace life in a whole new kind of way that was going to be life giving and life saving.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's I can't I don't I want to add or subtract from what you're saying (laughs) that it's just a period on that. Right.
0: Mm. Wow. I want to go back to one more thing because there's a lot to unpack here. And I feel like, Haynes, in this conversation, what I'm realizing is that, you know, I'm looking for answers. I've been looking for answers. How, and one of the answers, one of the biggest things I'm discovering here is that you feel what you feel. You do what you do. It is what it is. And that's OK. And that's OK. One hundred percent, and that that feels great because I've been thinking that there has to be some answers that are going to tell me how to make it okay. No, but what you're saying to me is that it is okay. It is what it is until it ain't. Until it <laughs> until it ain't, and then you, you you hop on the phone and you call your friend John Haynes, or you or you you have a conversation with with somebody you care about, or yes, or, or you go for a walk or 5 years later you get another another piece
1: to your puzzle. Ah, it's, it's not it's not your watch or right. it's not your calendar. It is the timing of things that that makes the answers come to you. So, you cannot watch grass grow, you cannot watch water boil, you cannot rush this grieving process at all. Right. It has its own timing, which you'll be doing for the rest of your life. So sit down in the process. Appreciate the process. Enjoy it.
0: There are times when I have two daughters. Um, You know, we have we have children who are. Are approximately the same age. Samaya is fourteen. Miles is fifteen. Mm. Um, and there are times when Samaya will say something, or do something, or not say something, or not do nothing. And I'll be at a loss in how to deal with it. And I'll, I'll, I'll do my WWMD. What would Mom do? Yeah. yeah. Do you have those moments where? You know, because we talk about we're fathers and we learn how to be fathers from being sons. Yeah. From being sons of fathers, from being sons of mothers. And so are there some things that you actively or indirectly or whatever use in your life to parent that you learn from your mom? Boy, I have not thought about this, but, (laughs) but I have an answer
1: right off the top of my head. So there's two ways that I approach it. Sometimes I do the opposite of what she would do. Mm. because she's grandma. She's grandma. He's he's going to get every pass. Right, true. So, sometimes I have to do the opposite of what my mom would do. And but the thing that I do give to him that my mom gave to me is grace. Mm. And that is what I give him a lot of and he's growing He can have conversations with me that I've never been able to have with my family just because it was so hierarchical. Sure. Sure. And so mom was mom and she was up here. Big mama was big mama and she was up here. Dad was dad. Granddaddy was granddaddy. But now he can come to me on this level and say, this is how I'm feeling. And it could be with some attitude. It could be with some, what people might feel is disrespect, but He's expressing his feelings. My job is to shape and mold the feelings. So I can't shape and mold them without them coming out. So I have to, I have to give him grace after they get out and she gave me grace. And so that's what I also give him.
0: I think the thing that I learned from mom is she was an unconditional, unconditional, unconditional lover, mother, daughter, Nobody could ever do wrong. Could do too wrong. So I guess what I'm saying is, she, this woman seemed to be to me to be non-judgmental. And I, I, ain't trying to. We don't want to make our mothers out to be perfect because I'm sure no, if 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 we talk to their siblings or their parents or their lovers or their spouses or whatever, we hear some different stories. But yes. in our minds, our moms we're our were- spouses. <laughs> yes. All right. Right. Oh, speak on it. Speak on it. But she loved my siblings and me like we were her everything. Like we, like we came from her, which of course we did. Yes. Like we were a part of her, you know, like we were sand on her shore. Like we were, were, were ripples, you know, in her ocean. Come on, man. And, and I, you know, and since she's passed, I remember when she, in in the hospital bed, she, um, I said to her, you, I I gave her permission. You can go now. Yeah. I got this. I will take care of them. Yeah. Haynes Haynes. Yeah. I didn't mean it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to tell her you can go now Haynes. Mm -mm. I felt like she wanted to go. It was her time. She was in pain and I felt like as her oldest, I needed to let her know I'll take care of everybody. Yeah, I ain't mean that. I don't think your flesh meant it. I think your soul
1: meant it. I really do. Right, right, right. There's times where something else speaks for us. Right. And this wasn't just you taking the responsibility of a son. You said something in here about when she she grabbed your hand once for yes. What I wrote in the, in the column here as I was taking notes on, on your piece here. I said, my mom said, I'm tired. And my mom was tireless. Hmm. She could go. She could go. I'd meet her at TJ Maxx just by chance on the street because she's around the city. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I ran into her shopping. But when she said after four and a half years... I'm tired. That's a soul tired. That's not a, I need a nap tired. That's not, I need some sleep. That's not a vacation. That means like my soul is tired and I'm ready to rest. I'm ready to go. Mm. And in that case, I don't have a choice, but to get on board. I don't have a
0: choice. Right. That's what it was. We don't have a choice. Which can be the problem. I didn't have a choice. (laughs) Have you, um, did you cry? Have you cried? Oh yeah.
1: Cried right in her face when I came in there and saw her remains. Hmm. Okay. Cried right in her face. Um, It is the most painful and the most peaceful moment in my life. Most painful and peaceful. Cause where I can't, it's like watching your house, your childhood house destroyed right in front of you.
0: I haven't, I haven't really cried yet. I've questioned that a lot. I haven't had that sort of bawling moment. And I know there's something, I know there's something wrong with that. I do recall that soon after she passed at 8.30 p.m. in my sister's arms on September 1st, Mm. I began planning the funeral pretty much by myself because no one had the capacity to do that emotional, spiritual. So I planned everything. I was the, you know, I like to talk. I'm a, I'm a poet. I'm a speaker. Yes, you are. I was the mod. I was the MC, the host or whatever. You know, I was the official, I was the guy on, in the pulpit introducing people. Um, Nikki Giovanni came and read a poem I was in the moment of coordinating. And then I remember, you know, after it was all over. So I've been so caught up in everything. I didn't have time. to really emote. So after it was all over, I was like, I remember telling Steph, I want to go on a cruise. Mm -hmm. I just need a week. And my thing was, I'm going to go and cry. I'm going to go, I'm going to (laughs) go away and just be in my, and I remember her saying, no, we need to go with you. And I remember being disappointed. Like, no, I want to go by myself, but not telling her because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I was like, okay, y'all can come with me. Yeah. But I remember I remember I knew I needed that time and it just didn't happen. And then one thing led to another. And we're talking about five and a half years, six years later. And I haven't had that moment, Haynes. I haven't had that pain and that peace. And I think that's what this is, this is a part of that journey of me trying to figure out. And this was a big help because it's okay to feel what I feel. It's okay. Yeah. To, but, but I do, I am a little bit, you know, I do want that.
1: You didn't ask me for it, but I'm gonna give it to you. Cause you're my boy and you, my friend don't expect yourself to emote in a normal fashion you 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 are in the middle of your process, if the tears are going to come, they're going to come, mm-hmm. and I see you being the m c at your mom's funeral in a in a different way I see because I spoke at my mom's funeral too, I see you using your gift to honor her mm-hmm. in that moment. You light up a room, and the light that was in you was presented to the room mm. and that light couldn't have come from anywhere else, but, but your mom dig it. And so you, 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 honored her.
0: You know, this journey to, to being fathers is filled with so much joy and, and pain and, and tragedy and triumph and peace. Yes. And I'm just so grateful Haynes to, to be able to, you know, to, to be able to be in this club with you. Yay. Amen, bro. I love it. Likewise. My lesson today, Haynes, is our mothers let go so that we could grow. Yeah. Thanks for growing with me, John Haynes. Bro, I love you, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I love you, too. This is Kwame Alexander on Why Fathers Cry, the podcast. Peace, y'all.
1: Why Fathers Cry is a Big C entertainment production hosted by Kwame Alexander, produced by Sarah Grace McCandless, studio audio engineering by Edgar Diaz, post-production by Jeremy Brisky at Burst Marketing, theme music, St. State Street, composed by Joshua Gabriel and Bryant Terry. Learn more at whyfatherscry.com. Special thanks to our guests, our sponsors, and to you for listening. Wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate you.